Welcome back. Episode number three. Hello, everyone. Here we go. How have you been? Because it's been a while. Yeah, I was in Queensland for five days, which was elite because Melbourne sucks at the moment. So <laughs> getting Literally a bit of sun. so jealous. Warm. Well, but aren't yeah. you lucky? How are you doing? Not too bad. I got a microphone. So now I don't sound like I'm in You sound space. way better. <laughs> way better. I'm sure the listeners know, are appreciative what? too. I hope so. It's actually called Sydney, the microphone. No way. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> Please tell me you bought it just because of that. Oh, yeah, it was half the reason. Because I was like, well, it literally has my name on it. Like, how can I not get it? <laughs> it's a sign. It was meant to be. Also, if I sound like I have a lisp, my wisdom, wisdom tooth is coming out. And I literally can't talk properly. It hurts. That's, I've been in pain for days. It's actually the worst. Is it just one? Just one, just one side. And so like my jaw is like inflamed and I can't bite down. Mm. It's been super fun. But Wait, are you getting it taken out? Nah, like there's room. It's just coming okay. out of the gum. All right. I was going to say, if you <laughs> if you have to get your wisdom teeth out, we're definitely recording a video session after that when you look like a chipmunk. Oh, yeah. Like how to cope with getting your wisdom teeth <laughs> taken out. Yeah. <laughs> Coping with setbacks. <laughs> Theme of today, getting your wisdom teeth out. Yeah, by the way, today, setbacks. <laughs> yeah, good good segue into the intro. Why not? But before we get into that, I feel like we didn't really touch on how we became friends. Like, this is true. Because it's a bit of a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was that funny, but I would love to hear your recount of how you think it happened and then I can share how I think it happened. Well, my perspective is completely different from yours because I did not expect us to be friends. I was so staunch towards you. <laughs> Do you remember that? I, I literally like did not want to bar you. I, I remember that. Yeah. But so did most of the other people in the cohort. So it's fine. <laughs> you poor thing. You poor thing. And then you cracked me. You did. But I cracked you first. And I think I found like, a lot of pleasure from that um and then uh, and then you're like I don't know once I cracked you I was like oh okay like he's actually a sweetheart <laughs> be nice. I, it is it is coming back to me now it is coming back to me yeah I tried so, to like, act all because... I tried to act all tough and and staunch and mm-hmm. cold and and you were like you're just a big softy in, inside exactly so our course was all online so the first six months we were online, so it's really hard to like make connections and make friends and stuff. And it wasn't till mid year last year when we actually, actually, just before it was um, before the exams, first semester exams. And we all decided to go to uni to study. And it was the first time we were all meeting up. And I remember I came in with a couple of the girls, and everyone was already there. And we pulled up some chairs and then you come out of nowhere and you're like behind me <laughs> and you grab a chair and sit right next to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about and right. I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, is this, is this for real? Like, is this happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I'd picked you out from the online, the online classes that we'd had. You were sitting there with your bright pink chair. You had like, you had like a gamer girl set up. Mm-hmm. I know. I even noted the brand of your chair. So straight away, I was like, "Yeah, she knows what's up." 
So if we meet in person, she's 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 going to be my friend. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. So straight away, I was like, well, yeah, I'm going to sit next to you. I don't know these other people. Well, we hadn't even like spoken much because we have a group chat, but we hadn't like directly spoken just us two. <laughs> I don't think so anyway. That's right. Anyway, you, you pulled up a chair next to me. I was giving you like the, I don't know, I was just giving you a cold shoulder. <laughs> I was giving you nothing. <laughs> I actually don't remember it being that bad, to be honest. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't that bad. It's just all in my head. It might have been because I don't remember it being that bad. Well, it's definitely not like really like as nice as I usually am. I was I was holding back a lot. Like I had a wall up, you know, and that's what? why it was like, well, I don't know. I just like don't let people in like that. <laughs> I was Sometimes. like, all right, open a can of worms early on. Here we go. Trauma, trauma dumping. No, um, I don't know why. I don't know why. But then we started talking and it was fine. But then I was just like, I think I was just saying things in a way that I was like, you were trying to act in a certain way. And I was just like, don't, you don't have to be like this. Just be yourself. Just chill. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then as I like pulled away those layers, I don't know, you respected me more for that. And then I was able to like put down my wall and then we became BFFLs. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things, right? Cause you go, I'm going to, I'm going to act a certain way and see if people can basically deal with my bullshit. Mm -hmm. And then if they can, then you've kind of earned your way in. And it's like, awesome. You're a good sort. I didn't realize I was doing that until we talked about it. Hate <laughs> and was like, you know, this is a thing, right? Ah, shit. Yep. <laughs> and um, I, I allowed yourself to see, like, look at yourself through a mirror. I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing, but I accepted you for it. <laughs> good, bad, or other. Let's call it otherwise. We'll go good, bad, or otherwise. And that was otherwise. It just gave me a, a better insight into how I probably come across when I first meet people, which I've heard before. And like, dude, I don't know if you remember, but they. They, they. I'm not going to name any names, but some people there <laughs> told me that my nickname when I first rocked up for orientation was Fig Jam. What? I actually don't know this. You didn't tell me this. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh man. Yeah, because this, this, um, this kind of rocked me a bit. So I didn't even know what Fig Jam meant. And so for anyone out there who doesn't know what it means, it's F. I'm good. Just ask me. That's what it stands for. So apparently, my attitude in orientation was that of Fig Jam. And so a bunch well, of people pretty much just wrote me off straight away and were like, well, he's a dick. Yeah. Well, I guess because you came in like, because you you were already um, registered as a psych as well. So you knew what you were talking about. And we're sitting in a room and we have no idea what's going on. And obviously you you knew what was going on and I guess people felt threatened by that. And that was the main reason. But Definitely, it would be a softy. And then we had placement together and just our relationship blossomed into something very beautiful. We went away three days. You gotta, we you gotta make it, we, we need to be very clear here. So I'm engaged to somebody else. <laughs> just in case people are getting really weird ideas about this. <laughs> I have a lovely fiance. Yeah, true. <laughs> and when we're talking about all this stuff, we're talking about from in a friendship sense. Yes. But yes, definitely. Continue. That's, that's another thing that just people don't understand. Yeah, you, you can be friends with the opposite 
sex. Yeah. And that's it. But anyway, so that's like a little bit about how we became friends. And it's a great, I, I don't know, I love the story. It's, it's actually really nice to go back over it because I can't, I've forgotten about bits and pieces of that. So, we and now really we're here. about it for ages. This is like, what, a year later? Over a year later? Over a year later. And yeah, you know everything about me. And we're great friends. And I love it. I love it too. Anyway. All right. Let's get into. <laughs> it's too mushy. <laughs> move on. <laughs> I know. Ew. Yuck. Let's go. Let's move forward from this. Right. Um. So today we're going to be speaking about setbacks mm. and coping with them. This was actually requested, wasn't it? It was requested. It was on the list, definitely. Like we have so many topics that we want to discuss, but it's always helpful to see what to put out first, what kind of perks up um, people's interests. Um, and yeah, this is definitely a massive topic. It may or may not be over a couple podcasts like in the future. But today we're just going to go over, you know, different setbacks, um, different ways of coping. Uh, what else? We're going to talk about resilience and maybe some strategies or how we work with clients to overcome or, yeah, overcome setbacks. See if we can get that all in 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 one one potty. It might have to be over a few. I'd say what we'll probably do is like as we as we kind of touch on this stuff as we go. It'll be more of like an intro to the thing to start with. Mm. And then as more episodes come out and whatever else, then we'll, we'll go into more depth with whatever's going on. I think that's yeah. probably the best way to do it. Rather than like, here's like a decade's worth of research and information slammed at you in 20 or 30 minutes. Because no mm-hmm. one really wants to, <laughs> try to try to take in all of that in one go. Well, it's a lot. So yeah, we can definitely just touch on each of them and then expand if needed in other in other podcasts because you could probably break down each of these um, and talk about different people's coping mechanisms towards setbacks and that could be an episode in itself. So, yeah, there's a lot to kind of digest. Yes. So, all right, where where shall we start regarding setbacks? Where do you think is a good, a good spot for us to start? I guess like um, explaining the different types of setbacks because in anyone's life, whether you're an athlete or uh, someone that, I don't know, just does exercise, there's going to be setbacks. Yes. Uh, I would say, well, let, firstly, it's probably good to normalize setbacks. So mm-hmm. setbacks are a normal part of life. This is just it's just part of being alive, right? Everyone's going to face setbacks at some point. And when we're talking about setbacks, we look at it, we actually do this at school. Um, in, in, in the classroom, we have an image of a mosquito and then an image of one of those giant tortoises. And we basically pose the questions to the kids and say like, what's the difference between these two things? And it's like one of them only lasts a day and the other one lives till it's 150 odd. And then we relate that to setbacks being like, well, sometimes they're very minor and they might last a couple of minutes, a couple of hours, a couple of days, or they can be very, very lengthy. And it's a good way to kind of understand, at least to start with, where what, what I'm actually dealing with here. Is this short term or is it something longer term that I'm going to need to manage? Yeah. And setbacks are a great way to come back even stronger 
you learn a lot about yourself from a setback and moving on from one is quite difficult but coming out the other end you're you're like in a cocoon and then you're a butterfly (laughs) i like that i like these insect animal analogies we should continue with (laughs) it so as if if you are facing a setback then what are you likely to experience in the very early stages of that setback so like let's use um let's use injury as an example so i'm an athlete and i've just I don't know, I've, I've done my hamstring for the third time in in my career. What am, what am I likely to be facing? A lot of grief. Mm. It's it, it's similar to, you know, it's a loss in a way, depending what the injury is, um, how severe it is. In that moment, you don't really know how severe it is. But if you've, if you've had the same injury before, there may be a little bit of trauma there too because you know what it entails. Uh, and it could be worse this time too. Mm, it's a good point. So if you are, if you have experienced, let's say uh, you're experiencing a reoccurring injury, you are likely to experience everything that happened first time around, over and over again. We call it, it's mm-hmm. it's a little bit like um, like we talk about scarring in trauma. It's kind of the same thing, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. here's all the feelings and all the memories and all the yuckiness that came with it the first time around. Here it all, it, it's all here again. Here you go. Not very nice. No. It's it's quite hard to deal with. And yeah, it, it also depends the level. Like if it's a small injury, if it's a career ending injury, um, you're going to have all different types of levels. And yeah. The career, the career ending injury is probably, well, in my experience, it's probably one of the hardest to deal with because it's yeah. it's something that like it ties into identity and athletic identity which we'd have to do a whole podcast on especially especially well, yeah. given that um you're you're pretty across this i think this topic yeah well it is it's my thesis so um we can definitely talk about that in a whole podcast but yeah essentially my thesis is on involuntary retirement due to injury and how it affects athletic identity and mental health outcomes in elite athletes so you, we can definitely come back to, to that we will we'll definitely need to do a podcast on that and i feel like you'll need to educate me on on that right. side of things because i only have I'm my own to. like personal experience with it but it'll be interesting to hear the academic side of things for sure for sure we'll touch um, on that but anyway so the so the career ending injury so just i suppose just for a bit of context so it is easier because um, I can talk from my own experience. So I tore my labrum uh, when I was, so I used to be a swimmer. I got to national level and did all the things and then tore my labrum in my right shoulder, uh, which resulted in a shoulder reconstruction and all the rest of it. But I was actually having this chat with a client a couple of days ago who was injured as well. The The interesting part for me was, so I did about 12 months of rehab post-surgery, which was, it was horrible. For about six of those months, all I could do was was kick with my arms by my side. I had a snorkel on and I would just kick up and down. That was it. Um, oh so it was God. incredibly boring. Um, but I tried to push through, but didn't get there in the end. But after after all of that, that's when I, I spoke to a sports psychologist and did all the things and, and sort of started to transition out. But for two years after I'd quit swimming... Like I hadn't been in a pool for two years, but when if I'd met new people, 
and they said like, oh, what do you do? I would say, oh, I'm a swimmer. And like, I could not let go of that, the the title or the, like that part of me, I couldn't let go of it until I had another thing to kind of replace it. And it didn't matter. Like you kind of work through it and all that, but it's a, it's a significant shift in the understanding of, of you and what you do. Yeah. Because as an athlete, um, especially at high levels, you're training ever since you're a child, you know, a teenager. So you identify as a swimmer, as a football player, whatever it may be. But so when an injury like that happens, you are not prepared for it. It's not like you wanted to retire. It's not like you're planning to retire and you're at such, at such a young age where all your other friends are in their careers and they're starting families and you're 25 and your career's ended and now who, like, who are you? What do you do? That's just like such a struggle for so many athletes and that's where we need a lot of the support to help them transition out of sport and also help them find another purpose in life yeah the purpose is such a massive part of it isn't it and it's it is it is something that takes a lot of time too like if you're if you've put all of your focus into doing one thing for most of your most of your adult life especially and then all of a sudden you can't do that anymore it can take quite a long time to figure out what you actually want to do and where you want to direct your attention and focus and what you actually like doing outside of of your sport or or your career essentially yeah, 100%. And so, like, what were the signs of you not coping? Were you not coping or, like, what do you think? So it's interesting, actually, like, so coming full circle back around to, to now being a psychologist in the space, the, the, the points that are that are outlined in the, in the research and the literature were exactly what I was experiencing. So mm-hmm. um, thoughts, basically, like, to summarize, it was, like, thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. So the thoughts that I was having about the sport and my ability to come back and compete at a high level again started to get quite um, sort of dark and, and negative in a sense. The feelings towards the thing were like, it was basically like a roller coaster. Like one week I would be flat as a tack and then the next week I'll be full of motivation being like, okay, I'm back, let's do this. Um, but the behaviors were... The behaviors were probably the most obvious where it was things like body language and and just doing things that I wouldn't normally be doing. So I, st- I started to kind of pull away probably out of more like um more like a protective kind of thing, like a self-preservation thing because I knew that I was coming to a dead end and it was mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't really want to have to face this. So I'm going to kind of mm-hmm. pull back a bit. Yeah, it must have been so difficult. I can't even imagine. It's not very nice. <laughs> and having having shoulder reconstructive surgery is also horrid. You're stuck in a sling for six or nine weeks and you can't move your arm. And I was falling asleep one night about three days after the surgery. And you know when to twitch when you fall asleep? Oh, I twitched yeah. with my arm in my sling and I don't think I've ever experienced any more pain in my life. It was horrid. Oh, my God. So it's like you're going through two different types of setbacks, one which was coming out of sport so you felt like I don't know maybe a setback from life and then the other one which was the surgery and the injury which is a whole nother process and you're like can I do things like I used to anymore or can I train again can I use this arm can you know when I have children am I I gonna be able to play 
um, ball games with them. Like there's a whole bunch of things that would be running through your head. Yeah, that's really, really pretty much spot on. The questions, the questions that you kind of ask yourself when you're in that space. Yeah, they're far and wide. And they're just, some of them are totally ridiculous. Like, am I ever yeah. going to be able to use my arm again? It's like, dude, like you had shoulder surgery. Like, it's fine. They do this all the time. But at mm-hmm. the at that point in time, you're thinking, oh, man, like, that's it. That's it for me. Like, oh, I'm done with this now. Like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. never going to be able to use my arm. But you can. Of course you can. It just takes a lot more time than you expect. So, yeah. It's so hard to think positively, positively in those instances. Like, and that's why it's important to work with a sports psych because we can help you change those thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Um, and of course, it's not going to be perfect every day, but to start learning how to switch your mindset and switch those thoughts is an everyday battle and having that support can help. Yeah, definitely. And I, and that was where, that was where I, I sought support at that point. And it was incredibly helpful. And it's, it's sort of hard to explain. Like you can't, if you're facing a setback that is significantly disrupting your day-to-day functioning, then it's absolutely worth going to speak to, to someone about it. And a really good psychologist has, has just this massive bag of analogies and, and metaphors and things that can just put things into perspective for you. So you have all this noise and all these unanswered questions in your head about the setback itself. And they can basically just summarize it in a sentence. And it's, it's mm-hmm. like this light bulb moment where you sit there and you're like, oh, man, that makes so much sense. That's awesome. And then you walk out of there feeling like, all right, sweet. Everything's fine. <laughs> I'm good. That's best case scenario. That's <laughs> best case. But yeah. So you make the most um, of those ones. Well, yeah. Progress isn't linear, as we know. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Certainly not. But it's going in an upwards direction. And that's yes. what matters. And... I guess that ties into mental resilience as well. Mm, so my teaching yourself, yeah, mental resilience, resilience. Um, athletes are quite resilient, especially in the sporting space, except when a setback occurs. I've noticed when there's an injury or like I've read a lot of literature, that's when they are not able to cope. Yeah, I've got a really handy analogy for this one. Have you ever played Jenga, you know, with the blocks and you slide the blocks out of the tower? Yeah. Yeah, good. (laughs) So resilience, individual resilience is a lot like the game Jenga. So you imagine that everything is going really well for you. Everything's going smoothly. You're fine. You're happy. You're healthy. Everything's good. That's like having a, a Jenga tower with all the blocks in it. But over time, as you face setbacks, it's like you're taking blocks out of the tower every now and then. And the more setbacks that you face, the more blocks come out of the tower. And eventually, what happens if you take out the wrong block or too many blocks? It collapses. And that's when you end up in real trouble. And that's where you're definitely going to want some a psychologist involved and that sort of stuff because you're being at an absolute low point. But think of resilience like that. So the more blocks that you take out of the tower, you've got to put blocks back in to strengthen it back up again. So how do you do that? So that's when we're talking about self-care things, making sure that your diet is where it's supposed to be. Diet's the number one thing for most people. They'll notice like, oh, it's sad pizza and a couple of beers for dinner last night. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. I feel like going out, drinking, um, having a poor diet, 
just because it's so hard to cope with anything else. So everything else kind of loses control as well. Um, and then the lack of sleep too, because you're stressing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we could probably do a whole nother podcast on sleep and stress and stuff as well, but there's, there's an interesting thing on, uh, on the diet. So, so serotonin, 90% of it is produced in the gut roughly. So yeah, if we're if, serotonin is like your, your general kind of mood stabilizer that, that mm-hmm. we all have the thing in an antidepressant. If, if you're not looking after your diet, it's not good for your general mood overall. So mm-hmm. I would even say now, like if, if some of you are out there experiencing low mood, have a look at your diet as a start point and be like, what, what do I need to shift here? Am I getting enough vegetables and color and fruits and all the rest of that? Or is it like something else? Go and speak to a dietitian, right? Don't don't expect psychologists to know all that, but it's a really <laughs> good place to start. For sure. And, and dopamine, 50% of dopamine is um, created in your gut too. So really? yeah, it is. <laughs> so it's really important to look after your gut and um, you don't have to do any drastic changes. That's the thing. You just have to be eat a little better than you did yesterday. Yeah, That's like all that. you have to do. Um because if you're going to start going extreme and cutting all these things out, uh, that's not sustainable. So you just want to be a little bit better than yesterday. Yeah, that's a really good point. Just like that 1% improvement kind of thing rather than trying mm-hmm. to go all in and then have a little crash on the other side, which I think most which, of us um, probably do. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. It's all or nothing. Yeah. So what are some strategies uh, for coping with setbacks? So my my main one is we, we sort of realign expectations. So depending on depending on how significant the setback is, we basically review where you're at and your goals and, and what you're trying to achieve. But I think one of the main things is just having the support of someone who knows what you're going through mm-hmm. and who understands that it's it's not easy. So... I, I talk about support networks being like the net on a for an acrobat on a on a trapeze. Mm-hmm. Like you need you need people to catch you when you fall, and it's fine. Yeah. They're like that's that's everyone needs that family, friends, whoever, trusted colleagues. That's that's a huge part of this. So when you're dealing with it, you can actually just say to people like I'm having a, I'm having a shit day today, and they can be like that's yeah. right. What do you need? You know, do you need a vent or you want solutions or what might it be? Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be number one, set up a really good support network around you for if, and when this happens would be my number one. Yeah. Yeah. Figuring out, um, within yourself to what type of coping do you usually go for? There's, there's three types. There's emotion focused coping, which is you just need to let all your emotions out. You need to have a cry in order to process, you need to like ring a friend and get some hugs, whatever it may be. Then there's problem-focused uh, coping, which is you just want a solution. You want to work out with someone a solution so you can work walk t- work towards that. And then there is avoidance focus, which is you don't do anything, you keep it inside, you put it in a little box and say, I'm not going to open that, <laughs> whatever, and you go on with your life. And our research does suggest that emotion and uh, problem-focused coping is the best for kind of dealing with your problems because avoidance, you're not going to get much out of that. You're essentially going to cause 
uh, mood instability, anxiety, like anything um, if you don't deal with your problems. So I guess like understanding yourself and how you deal with things first and then um, allowing yourself to process what you need to process. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. And it's, and it's, I think it's important to say here too, like if you feel like you need to cry, just let it happen. Like <laughs> the amount of times I've had people sitting in front of me like, oh, I, I, I hate this or I didn't want to do this, whatever. I get it. It's uncomfortable. But from a, just from a physiological standpoint, it can be so good for you just to just let it rip. <laughs> just let it I, out. Yeah. I know I'm emotion focused. I just need to cry it all out like intensely and then the next morning I wake up I'm like whoa I'm a new person (laughs) I can think (laughs) clearly okay how do I solve this let's just keep moving but I need to release that emotion then I have a lot of like clients that are problem focused and they're just like you know want a solution that's how they they want to work towards something straight away they don't don't need to release any emotion they just need um, something to work towards a goal in order to feel better yeah, that's awesome. All right. So what about if we were talking in regards to just sort of like general life things, like general life setbacks rather than we'll just sort of steer away from the athlete and the injury for, for a minute. If mm-hmm. we're just talking about, you know, your day-to-day things. So something like your car breaks down, your, you get sick. I don't know. You get COVID, you get the flu, things like that. How about dealing with those setbacks? Yeah. Financial issues. Mm. Um, Big one at the moment. Yeah. The- all those annoying things that can happen in your everyday life or, you know, unpredictable as well. Yeah. I, th- I think it's probably important to, to just outline too. Like if you have one of these, like let's say, let's say none of the other stresses have, have come up. I'm going to refer to them as stresses. Then all of a sudden your car breaks down. Like that's extremely inconvenient. And it's super annoying depending on where you live. Like if you're not close to public transport, you don't want to get on or whatever. That's, it's just the worst. But if you've had that stacked on to half a dozen other things that have also not gone your way, the impact of that is going to be way more significant, right? So, because normally we would say, well, if your car breaks down, what would you do? Like how, how are you, I'll ask you actually, how would you as the individual deal with your car breaking down? What would you do? Well, first, personally, I'd freak out for a second. (laughs) I'd, I'd, I would feel those emotions and I'd, sit there I'm like oh my god like I'll freak out in my mind a little bit but I'm quite good at yeah I'll freak out for a second and then take a deep breath just stop for a second and I'm like okay where am I who can I call um how bad is it you know I'll start thinking of solutions but before then I do have to have a little bit of like you know my heart (laughs) kind of go into my stomach (laughs) or in my throat Mm. and I'll panic, but it's important to really like sit with yourself for a second and bring yourself back. So you have a clear mind. Yeah. It's a good, really good first point on this. So the awareness of the self, so the thing happens and it doesn't go according to plan and that's okay. But first we go, okay, so what am I actually dealing with here and how am I responding? So there's a bit of internal sort of analysis stuff that goes on, right? Because our brains are so good when something goes wrong at just mm-hmm. taking it and running with it and catastrophizing. Right? So yep. we go zero to a hundred real quick. This is the worst thing ever. You know, it's it's pretty standard stuff. 
but we do that for in in preparation for worst case scenario. So we go, okay, hang on, let's take a second. The breath is an awesome tip for people. So if you're feeling that the heightened emotion, it's it's a bit of that breath stuff that we covered in the last episode. So like a double inhale, exhale, and then like, okay, what am I actually dealing with? What do I need to do? Do I need to call RACV? Do I need to call a tow truck? Like whatever. Then the solutions focus can come in when you get out of that emotional headspace. What about mm-hmm. something like, what about like the flu or like, yeah, someone has COVID for like the sixth time. Yeah, that's annoying. <laughs> that is <Yeah>. super annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it depends like whether like, again, like you said, how many things have been happening throughout that week? Like, have you just been like copying one thing after another and that's like the final straw where you're like, you, you're done with everything? Or was it something was that was kind of expected? You're like, you know, I've been working really hard and not really giving myself rest and um, it's expected or I went to a party or something, it's expected that I'm sick right now. Okay, I can accept that. So with coping, it's so difficult to have like a one size fits all approach because of the different personalities, different situations. Um, it's hard to... I, don't know, I guess sit here and give one strategy, but it all does come down at the end of the day of processing those feelings, emotions, or and then trying to accept what's going on so you can move forward. Yeah, it's a good point. The, the acceptance part is massive. So like a radical acceptance framework, which we, I think it actually comes from DBT, this radical acceptance stuff. So dialectical behavior therapy, it's, it's basically for like, no matter how bad this situation is or whatever you've done or anything like that, you just accept it for what it is. So it's, I think the saying that's attached to it is literally that it is what it is, which I'm not it a huge fan is. of that, but it's, I am. it is what it is. <laughs> you are. <laughs> well, awesome. For myself anyway. <laughs> well, it can be quite handy because it's sort of, if we're talking about setbacks, a lot of the time it's about how much we feel like we're in control. So if mm-hmm. like, I'll go back to the car break, like if the car breaks down, that's totally out of your control. And mm-hmm. nobody wants to feel like they're out of their control, out of their own control. So it's like, crap, what do I do? So we do all these things to try to get us back in control to some extent. So something yeah. like the flu, what what can you do to to get back in control of what you're doing? Well, you could, I don't know, chicken noodle soup and cold and flu tablets yourself. and look after yourself. Right? But something like, I think it's probably important to touch on financial stuff at the moment as well, because I'm assuming there's people out there that, like I, you hear it all the time. There's a lot of financial stress around at the moment with what's going on. Inflation. Yes. <laughs> and interest rates and all the rest. So mm-hmm. you face you face a setback. How are you going to go about that? Because really it's out of it's out of a lot of people's control. Well, it's out mm-hmm. of everyone's control, really, except for the people that are dictating what's going on. So if you're <laughs> <laughs> just can of worms conspiracy theory, we've we've just gone down a real dark road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So if we're talking about something like financial stress, how can we get on top of it? Well, if we're talking about control and a setback, then it would be like, all right, let's review a budget or, you know, where can we cut back? Do all those like practical things. Every now and then, even that's not going to help. It's like, crap, what do I do? This is where I would say going back to support networks is probably going to be a really good strategy for people. So who can I talk to about this specific issue that's not going to make me feel any worse about it? Is probably the important mm-hmm. part. So everyone will have a friend that they know they can call with whatever is going on 
But then after they talk to that person, they're like, I actually don't feel better. <laughs> like if I anything, feel I feel worse. worse yeah. And invalidated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So make sure that you're talking to the right people in that <laughs> in that instance. Um, but the support network would be massive. And then once you take yourself out of the emotional headspace, which can take a fair bit of time, then we go more pragmatic. Okay, what do I do? What do I do to try to get some control back and, and fix this thing? Yeah, so setting like some, I guess, achievable and realistic goals for yourself. I know setting goals is a constant thing in people's life, but you can use them for anything and even financially. You probably already do it without even realizing, you know. Um, So if you're planning on a trip or something and you put a certain amount away each week, like that's a little goal. That's a, um, so if you're going through a financial issue, reevaluating what you're currently doing and and what is maybe helpful and what's not so much unhelpful um and then create new a new strategy or new goals to work towards what you what you're trying to do also this is definitely not financial advice (laughs) we need to we need to be very specific about that we're talking about in in the context of setbacks at the moment right so Yeah, illness and finances and things like that. They're all they're all difficult things to deal with at times, especially if you've got a whole lot of other things going on. So like a family member being unwell, for example, is just this like constant stressor for people. They might have to, it's just like in the back of their mind the whole time, right? So this is where we talk, we bring in uh, like balance essentially. So mm. what am I doing to replenish what I, what I need to? So am I looking after myself and am I exercising? Am I eating okay? Am I getting enough sleep? Am I staying away from extracurricular substances and alcohol and things like that? It's 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 almost like a reevaluation of how much good are you doing for you versus how much are you kind of expending, right? Yeah, well, look, it's definitely easier said than done because people do understand, oh, yeah, you know, I'll get more sleep or have a better diet or drink more water or go for a walk, but in those instances under that amount of pressure or stress or, you know, you don't want to do any of that stuff. And (laughs) if it was easy, everyone would do it. Firstly, secondly, we probably wouldn't have a job if it was easy. (laughs) And thirdly, um, even though you're aware of all these things, actually forcing yourself to do what's good for you will make you feel even better because you know how hard it was to do in the first place. Yeah. Really, really good point. Once you do the thing, you feel so much better for it. It's like you'll never regret uh, going to the gym, but you'll regret not going to the gym. Absolutely. You know the mean? amount of times <laughs> that I've gone in there and only only got 20 minutes done or something before mm. you leave, but you're like, you know what? That was actually, that's better than nothing. Like doing it badly or doing a little bit is still more than nothing. So mm-hmm. it's a good, it's a, yeah, good insight. Yeah. So I feel like we've we've spoken a lot about this topic and there's a lot of information to take in. We spoke about you know, injuries. Um, we spoke about retirement. We spoke about everyday annoying setbacks. And it's definitely a topic that we may, will probably come back to as well. But for now, I think that's enough for you guys to absorb. Yeah, that's that's probably enough on setbacks for one day. Um, and unfortunately, the topic of setbacks 
is like Sid said, there's no one size fits all approach for it or, or like a template or a blueprint that we can sort of say, Hey, here's a great way to get through the setback. It, it's, it's very context dependent. It depends on the thing itself. It depends on how much you're trying to deal with at the moment, just generally within your life and, and your normal kind of response to any sort of setback as well. So all of these things come into it. And if you can figure those things out, at least then you're on a, you're on a, you're in a better space than you were beforehand to be able to deal with whatever comes your way. Exactly right. So yeah, I hope we covered everything that needed to be covered in this one. And I hope at least some people got some usefulness out of it. I'm not too sure, but Hopefully you can tell us what you thought about it. And if there's anything else or other topics that interest you that, you know, you want to hear first of or just trust us, I guess, let us know. <laughs> Could be a risky game, that one. But, yeah, feel yeah. free to just send through any any ideas or whatever. Just through Instagram is probably easiest. Um, and just, yeah, just let us know what you guys are interested in. We'll try to cover it. Yeah, I had fun today. It was really good. Same. Good choice. Good choice. All right. We'll, well leave you there. I'll see you next week. Thanks, crew. Peace out. Bye.